This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome, everybody, to the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. It's Friday. Hopefully, you are all doing very well. We are happy to have you here at Blue Wire. Hopefully, you will uh, enjoy this podcast presented by our presenting sponsor, BetOnline.ag. We are joined by Brent Sobolewski, who will be giving us some insights and some of his thoughts, and we'll have some conversation on a couple key Browns talking points. So, Sobo, how are you, man? I'm doing well, and in the last few days, we've experienced the ups and downs that are well, that is the NFL quote-unquote season, right? That what we've experienced this offseason. For Browns fans, they should be super excited about the Miles Garrett news. Uh, that's a wonderful decision by the front office and the correct one, might I add. But then in the same time, if we're looking at it from a league perspective, a sobering day Thursday with not only the Washington scandal coming to light, but also that the fact that the NFLPA and the NFL still aren't on the same page with an agreement to move forward this season, even though two teams report for camp come Monday. So it's coming down to the wire, my friend, and let's hope we have football, but we do so in the safest way possible. Yeah, big deadlines are hitting, and I don't think people understand just how coin flippy it is right now. I, I, I certainly think there's a there's a bad turn that this could take next week where we see a lot of teams withdrawing or holding off from camp and then uh, – you know, the, the important names and the negotiating process for both sides kind of stalling on this thing because it's just so hypercritical and there's just so much on the line and it feels like one side's wanting to buckle to the pressure and the other isn't. And it's just, it's it's weird, man. And I don't know where it goes and we could probably have a better discussion about this when we do know next week or the week after as, uh, as teams start to report or deny reporting or whatever 
whatever the outcome is. It's nice that the Browns have a front row seat to the whole process, especially from player side. Guys can get answers from J.C. Treader. That's that's a unique sort of thing for, for Cleveland, which is great. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know where it goes, and, and uh, I'm not going to pretend to know. And we're just going to have to sit here and, and react to the news as it trickles out. And you talked about the biggest piece of news that we are certain about, and that's that the Browns locked up Miles Garrett, which is, which is like you said, fantastic and the right decision and, and all the above and the $125 million and $50 million guaranteed and all that great stuff. The first Browns player since Joe Hayden, right? Or no, it would be Batonio got a second contract, but like first Browns first-round pick since Hayden to get a second contract. Something like that. I don't know. It's all murky. But, yeah, man, give me your, like, immediate reaction in terms of, like, detail about it, um, sort of your feeling about this and Miles' reaction. He had a Zoom press conference today where he went into detail about a lot of his thoughts and where he's at. And, uh, yeah, I, just, I mean, I don't know how there's any argument that this isn't the right decision. It's really cool, too. And the talking point is, you know, in a draft that had Patrick Mahomes, right, I think this speaks the biggest thing that speaks volumes is, is uh, you know, they, they, they didn't – take Patrick Mahomes there and nobody really says anything about that that's how good Miles is right like they kind of muted it yeah that conversation came later when they screwed up at the 12th overall pick um yeah but like but in, not do. in general it's kind of cool that you know even though you could people people always do the revisionist history stuff which is what we're doing on on the uh yeah. the orange and brown report which is looking back at all these drafts and who they could have had and all that but it's like you know they signed Miles Garrett and people aren't like well that could have been Patrick Mahomes I mean it's kind of like well, Miles is still really freaking good, so that, that's that's neat in my opinion to see the Browns and and it was the home run pick. I don't think that you know there was temptation obviously at that time with Mitchell Trubisky and the goofiness that we see we see of it now. But like, it's just good to see him make the right pick and kind of get the right player and the guy who loves the city and all that stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I and I mentioned that that later pick simply because a lot of people bring up how they missed on a quarterback. Well, the reality is. It, and at that time, Patrick Mahomes was not considered a, t- a number one overall candidate. He wasn't even considered a top 10 candidate, to be quite frank, when you go up into that point. And he was more of an enigma that people absolutely loved his potential, but they didn't know exactly sh- and weren't sure who he was going to become as a player. And where he landed was the absolute perfect spot for him, and it's allowed him to develop and blossom into the NFL's best player. But at that time, and this is what really lends into this conversation is Miles Garrett was the number one overall prospect. He was the number one overall prospect in August. Now fast forward all the way to April months later, he was still the number one prospect. And this is something that I tweeted uh, shortly before he signed is the fact that he was one of the very few who went wire to wire as the number one overall talent since I started covering the draft, well, this was my 17th this year. So you basically had Andrew Luck and Miles Garrett. I mean, you might throw one or two more names in there, but it just depends on your personal preference and exactly where they landed in the draft. But that's how how people viewed Miles Garrett and how talented he is, that he was the slam dunk number one. I should also throw Jadavion Clowney in there as well because they were the three that everyone knew and saw the ability and it, it was off the charts. And now it's it's presented itself on the field. And what we talk about in, in the draft so, so often is translatable traits. And what do you see on the field at the college that will lend to the professional game and, and to make you know that they are going to be capable of being dominant players at the next level? And with, with Miles, there was just so much. I mean, he was legitimately the complete package. He was as big – 
or excuse me, he was actually bigger, heavier, not quite as tall, but heavier than Jadavion Clowney, just as explosive, just as strong, if not more so. He, he, he was fantastic. And now that we're seeing it correlate to the field, he's worth every bit, the every dime the Cleveland Browns are going to pay him. Because I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be. I told you so. I told everyone that asked me from the moment leading, uh, from the moment after the Mason Rudolph incident, what were the Cleveland Browns going to do with Miles Garrett? Will he even be on the team? Let's not forget, Jake, that was a legitimate question going, making the rounds, you know, in yeah. December, January, yeah. how, how, what his future would be with the organization. And every single time I replied, he is the next hundred million dollar man in the NFL he is the next hundred million dollar man in the NFL. And it was because of that ability and how we saw it translate to the field. The fact that he was number one in the NFL last year and pass rush win, win rate, coming off the edge that just tells you his consistency among other great defenders in this league whether you're talking Joey Bosa Nick Bosa Khalil Mack and so on and so forth Miles Garrett was number one overall coming off that edge and pass rush win rate and that shows you just how supremely talented he is and the fact you get it done now you identify and you pay early right Jake that's that's the guardrail and yeah the teams they are. that too yeah, they absolutely are. And the fact is, if he came back and played phenomenal this year and they didn't have him on their contract, he would have cost them even more than they did right now. And that seems silly because he, it's the most lucrative deal for a non-quarterback in NFL history at $25 million per season. But that's the honest to God truth about it is that if he came in and dominated, he would have even cost the Browns even more long term. Yeah, it's a great move. It's it's an absolute no-brainer. It's just as much a no-brainer as picking him was, was giving him this second contract. And, you know, one ugly night, uh, one ugly decision on, on nighttime football when it's in front of America is, was never going to change that. It was just, it was never going to change that. And you're, you're spot on. And I really, I honestly, I get a kick out of how much it bothers some people, especially people who cover the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just been really funny to watch people get bent out of shape about a decision that was, that was going to happen. It was never not going to happen. You're telling me the Browns are just going to, draw this thing out with him and, and allow him to leave because he made a you know an, a rash decision in a moment of frustration that, that, a, that a player was coming out. It's just, it's just silly. It was silly from the start. I know you were very vocal about it. I, I, I thought I was vocal about it too, that there was just no way they weren't going to keep him around. Um, it was just a matter of when they were going to sign him. I'm glad they got it done. And hopefully this is a sign of their pay early strategy and keeping things quiet and sort of like Never allowing some. It's inevitable in a sense, but you know, you like the uh, work in the shadows, get the deal done, sort of stuff that doesn't allow people to stress out about things. So, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be fascinating to see which guys play well in the upcoming year, whether we have this year or guys after twenty twenty one. Who, uh, who play really well and have the opportunity to get another contract or guys that we think are going to have contracts, uh, but, but maybe they don't. Maybe they don't play as well as we think. It's all it's all sort of out there and interesting, and, and the Browns said we're going to have so many of those decisions to make because they have actual young talent that has that could go either way, and that's unique for them because they haven't had many of those guys in a long time, right, who have uh, who presented this question. It seems like so often they've drafted guys in the first, second, third round, so it's like, ah, we'll just kind of, you know, they'll get cut. They, it was a question of whether they'd make it through their first four years of their rookie deal, let alone get a second contract. So, um, yeah, it's great to see. It's great to see this decision was made by an analytically driven front office on Miles, and then in a roundabout way, circoshus path comes back to them making the decision to keep him, which is a good sign. It's been a very good offseason. Look, we don't, you don't get to grade these things in terms of like, you're too close to it to really make a great grade, but there's nothing but glowing positivity going on about Andrew Barry, not just from 
from us, people who cover the Browns and want to feel optimistic about it, but from people who cover the league and other GMs who are saying the same thing. So it's great to see a unified vision. We've talked about this all offseason, but this is all good to see, and it all falls in line and uh, and sort of works itself in fashion of, of uh, you know, and you see the, the parallels going on in Washington, and it's nice to see, um, you know, your own front office in Cleveland who's been through some pretty grim, disgusting things in their past too, but finally making the right decisions in terms of people involved right now, who's involved, feel you feel positive about it for the first time in a while. That's great. Um, and then you also see them on the forefront of some diversity stuff and on the forefront of uh, you know equality and pushing and, 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 and really being a, not just a preach organization in terms of the diversity and the, and the, you know, the equality and different genders. They're actually doing it, which is neat too. So it all comes full circle. I just like all of it. I like the Miles signing and and uh, I feel really good about things right now, man. It's kind of my rant. Hopefully, that's not too weird. <laughs> it's not at all. I mean, you you saw me every single day on social media preaching the same thing, and it was accountability within the organization and creating a top-down philosophy where everyone was working and and pulling in the same direction. I I've preached it for year after year, basically since Jimmy Haslam took over as the owner of the Cleveland Browns because he created what I deemed the boardroom approach, meaning he would have heads of departments all reporting to him and none of them working conjunctively as a business. And it, it automatically led to infighting and failure after failure. And we're seeing a completely different approach. And I wanted to bring up an article, and I don't know if you discussed it on, on, the, on the podcast this week, Jake, but I, if you read The Athletics ben, from Ben Stag, Standig, excuse me, um, where he – went to agents anonymously to discuss how their offseason went and how, how they viewed moves around the league. And they've asked about who was, who's the one of, some of the general managers they trust the most, who's the smartest general managers. And in both instances, Andrew Barry's name came up. Now, mind you, this is his very first offseason as an NFL general manager, and he's already building said respect within the agent community. And and what fans don't realize is it is so important to be on the same page with agents. And I know there's the the public standoff right now between David and Joku, which via Drew Rosenhaus and the Cleveland Browns. But when other agents, generally speaking, are looking at you in a positive manner, they're more willing to look at you. They're more willing to sway players to your organization. They're more willing to do deals. And all of these things make your job easier simply because you are being professional. They respect you. And they understand that you potentially have the organization going in the right direction. And you're seeing all these fall in line, whether it goes from free agency, then into the draft, then into contract uh, negotiations. And all of them have gone rather smoothly for Cleveland this offseason, other than the Njoku factor, which, quite frankly, I still don't understand why he would be, oh, for lack of a better term, prompted to go to seek a trade, uh, as we've discussed previously. But otherwise, it's been an outstanding offseason from Cleveland from top to bottom. And I think it's because Jimmy Haslam finally committed to an approach and we don't know if that approach is going to work we said it over and over again but the fact that everyone's actually doing the same working cohesive absolutely man great points it's it's uh you know it's it, we you you hit it on the head with it we're not saying it's going to work we're not saying it's promised to work 
but you can only judge things as things come. And as of right now, the, the everything looks the way it's supposed to look. And even with Njoku, they haven't panicked. They haven't made a, a knee-jerk trade. They've been calculated. I'm sure there are good discussions going on behind closed doors. And, um, yeah, you just you just feel positive about the approach they're taking. And as of right now, all we have the evidence in front of us, we feel good about it. Look, speak of feeling good about things, betonline.ag is going to be there for you as the sports world comes back. NBA and MLB are, are destined to come back here, it looks like. We're, we'll see about the NFL and all of the risk that comes with that in college football. But you need to get there and get their welcome bonus using the promo code BLUEWIRE. Um, you can get that welcome bonus, which is it just different than a lot of other companies who have welcome bonuses that are tough to gather. It's not the case at betonline.ag. It'll be there quickly for you to use and make some money off of. They have the uh, 24-7 poker and online um, gambling uh, rooms that are there for you if you ever want to you know, go down that road and that endeavor. They have future bet props that you can take advantage of. And then you know, other sports are currently back, NASCAR, UFC, and golf. The memorial's going on here in Columbus. You can bet on any of those things. Make sure you're going there using that promo code BLUEWIRE. Get that welcome bonus. We appreciate the support from betonline.ag. So make sure you use them. Um, we're going to switch to your... Um, Mock draft here, Sobo, which is up on Bleacher Report, and then you did for us here in your OBR draft report a little expanded, a uh, little expanded look into the second round. So I'm interested in names, man. Who do you have at the top of that thing? I know Daniel Jeremiah was on Ryan Rosillo podcast and kind of dropped a bombshell in my opinion, which was saying that he thinks Trevor or Trey Lance is uh, the North Dakota State quarterback is is above Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence in his eyes right now. So curious where you sit on those three with your first mock draft. I know this stuff's very, very hard so far out, and it's even harder when you when you consider we might not even get college football and might move to the spring and all the weird stuff going on. But, uh, yeah, talk about who you have the Browns taking in their random slot selection and maybe into the second round too. Well, let's discuss first about the top of this year's draft because I got blowback for two reasons. One, I did not have Trevor Lawrence number one overall. I had Ohio State's Justin Fields, and we've discussed this and because I know you were taken aback when I said – when I. Previously stated, I believe Fields is the better prospect heading into this year based on what we saw last season, his consistency and efficiency within Ohio State's offense with a lack of turnover-worthy plays. Uh, look, I, to give you an example from Lawrence, I went back to some film just this past week, and if you look at the first half of the season, it's completely different to the second half, and really the turning point was Louisville, and Clemson won 45-10. to 10. He threw three touchdowns. But you got to pay attention to the two mistakes he made, two interceptions. He stared down the receiver, did not see the single high safety, and threw it right into his awaiting arms when he released the ball. The second interception was essentially triple coverage in zone. Yes, the receiver fell down, but there was no way he was going to be able to make that catch the way Lawrence was trying to fit, fit that ball into the window. So decision-making, decision-making, decision-making. And that's the real question mark for me. For Trevor Lawrence, I'm not saying he's not a great prospect. I do believe he's going to go top five overall. I have him slotted fourth to the Carolina Panthers. He probably would have went a pick or two higher, depending on which teams were in that position. In this case, it was the Washington football put him there because Dan Snyder, if he's still owner, loves Dwayne Haskins. And then uh, number three, I had the Cincinnati Bengals. And of course, they just took Joe Burrow. And that's a, a pertinent point as well. Look, we hold every young quarterback to the Andrew Luck standard. Stop. It's not fair. Andrew Luck was a unicorn when it comes to prospects coming into the NFL and how ready-made he was to play the position. That guy comes around once every 20 to 30 years, and we've seen him three times in my lifetime, and and I was three the first time it happened. So it was John Elway, Peyton Manning, and Andrew Luck. You don't 
you don't reach that standard very often and they barely come around. So look at them through the lens of their classmates. When you have a Justin Fields, when you have a Trey Lance, they're all legitimate top 10 talents and could go top five, if not one, two, three, depending on who's selecting. That's the, that's the capabilities each one of those have. And that's, I, so I, I received plenty of blowback from that because I'm already hearing that Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick because that's that's the right thing to do right now. You know, you're in July and you've already set your mind to who's the number one overall talent, because if I remember correctly, Joe Burrow is going to be the number one overall guy at this point last year. Right. <laughs> no, no. Joe Burrow was forgotten about soul, man. Yeah, I actually had a Charlotte radio host who uh, maybe uh, Cleveland Local radio listeners remember Nick Wilson. He used to be on 92.3. He's oh. down, now down in Charlotte, a friend of mine. Uh, he had me on the show, and I gave him that same point. And I asked him about Burrow because he made the claim that Lawrence is going to be the number one overall pick. And I basically stupefied him because he's like, oh, well, yeah, good point. It's just because things change, man. Look at Burrow. Look at Kyler Murray. Look at Baker Mayfield. None of them were the leading into leading into their final season in campus. Now, as it pertains to the Cleveland Browns, Obviously, I stuck with defensive line with the 17th overall pick. And by the way, I didn't set the, the slotting for the draft. That was by the Vegas, uh, specifically the Caesar Sportsbook. So don't blame me for where the Browns are drafting. Um, I had them at 17 taking Alabama's Christian Barrymore. And the reason you like Barrymore is that, look, one start last year. That's it. Huge projection. I'm not going to even argue that. But what does he fit when it comes to Cleveland? Yeah, underclassmen, check. Young, check major pipeline team check he had the highest pass rush presented pass rush win rate among interior defenders last year higher than javon kinlaw who a lot of people love for cleveland potentially if he was there so there's there's four checks right there for cleveland that fits what the types of things they want so if he continues to mature and develop as we expect now that he's becoming entering a full-time role uh, role he could be an absolute monster and quite frankly, uh, another point I brought up in the piece, and I, I just want to bring it up again because this is important. I mentioned age, and I, I, and when you looked at what Andrew Berry did in his first class, this was a huge sticking point, right? You go with Jacob Phillips instead of Malik Harrison. You know, you go for the younger option than the older option. Yes, you had a defensive end who's the second-rated defensive end for most people going into the 2021 uh, season or draft uh, cycle, and Carlos Basham, Basham Jr. from Wake Forest. Basham turns 24 in December, so that might be an automatic check mark against him when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. Now, in the second round, a familiar name for a lot of people, I had Asante Samuel Jr., uh, cornerback from Florida State. And what I really loved about him, and I don't know if you got to watch any of him last year, Jake, or since the the, the offseason started, but his feet in and out of his break. Now, mind you, Florida State runs a ton of bail technique, meaning – He's deep and, and dropping into coverage well before the ball is snapped in most cases. But when he's in the nickel and you see him in his back pedal, you can tell he's been taught by daddy really well. Yeah. <laughs> and he is just, those choppy feet are so quick in and out of his back pedal and into ear holing the wide receivers. It, it's, it's really special to watch. And I think he has a great future as a nickel corner, especially when in Cleveland, you don't know long-term what's going to happen with Kevin Johnson specifically, or even Terrence Mitchell. So someone like Samuel coming in with his ball skills and flexibility to play inside-outside would be a really great addition to what a position Cleveland values very highly. I like both of those picks, especially considering uh, 
um, you know, what, what, what could be in the risk positions that we know with this defense. And and it's, it's so early, man. It's so early, and you're really just looking for players that fit the target in terms of what the mold might be for this, for this franchise and, and recently for the scouting that we learned from one year of this group, and I think you hit the nail on the head. So make sure you guys are checking this out. The first one is on Bleacher Report, this, this recent one um, here following up on it and expanding. And you get profiles of the Browns' um, picks. You know, you know, like he said, Christian Barrymore's profiles here in a first glance and a first glance of Asante Samuel Jr. You can learn something about these guys. So if you're just craving more draft content, which is entirely possible in this fictitious football world that we're living in, you can read both of those. Sobo, anything else to plug before we uh, separate, my man? No, no, uh, coming up on this end, got a few things on, on the other side of the work schedule. But, uh, you know, the, I started this this week's article. I kept it mock draft heavy because I, I didn't want to be a downer, Jake. I, I, look, we can be in a place where we're looking at no season, and then how do you evaluate these young men? So keeping them in mind and understanding where they are from a skill set perspective now can be very important long term. You're right, brother. We, we, we need new content. If we are missing both college and pro football seasons, uh, I think people are going to boycott podcasts. I might not make another one because I just <laughs> – we are running out of things to talk about, man. So hopefully hopefully, people are wearing those masks, are being very smart about where they're going and who they're being around and, uh, and keeping this at bay as best we can so that we can have – some sort of football season. We're not going to be negative people. We're not going to say it's not going to happen. It could very well happen. You just want everybody to be safe, and hopefully that is the case in your personal life as well. So um, a big shout-out again. Sobo, thank you for joining me, man, taking time out of your Thursday night here and talking about yourself. Make sure you're reading his content that is up at the OBR right now. Learn about those two draft picks and, and about his approach in general. So, Sobo, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for having me, Jake. I always look forward to these conversations. I'll talk to you next week, buddy. Thanks, brother. All right, guys, we are out until next week. We will have something up on the Browns' offensive line. I'm going to get with Brandon Thorne from The Athletic. He's going to talk with me about some scheme stuff that he knows about the wide zone system that he's learned from Joe Gibbs' offense way back in the day and, and talk about where he has the Browns' offensive line in general. And uh, we are going to keep digging. We're going to get our shovels out and dig for content, dig for angles on this team. We're searching, folks. We're searching. So, uh I will be making a quick appearance on the Les Levine uh, show tomorrow. Uh, that'll be up. I'll, I'll repost that. They, the, the folks over at Cleveland.com asked me to be on that, so I'll, I'll pop my head in there and say hello and answer some Browns questions, and hopefully you can, can check that out. Otherwise, that's it for the week. Going into the weekend, hopefully you guys are having a great week. You can have an even better weekend. should be nice weather. We appreciate everything you guys do, listening to these, joining us, supporting the OBR, um, and hopefully you are ready to uh, get some football going here, and hopefully we get some of that football as well. We'll keep you guys informed as best we possibly can. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.